0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Alice.
1: I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne.
0: And today we are joined by frequent collaborator yet again, Matt Draper. How's it going, Matt?
2: Hello, Duckbergians. Thank you for having me on for my uh, quarterly check-in. Nice to be here.
0: It's important to check in to make sure that you read at least one comic book a quarter. You yeah, know, you really, you really are helping me keep up. <laughs> if it wasn't for us, it would be all wrestling, all Resident Evil, all the time, and it's not that's
2: just—it's not, not a bad
0: life, you know. <laughs> a, a growing boy like... needs a little bit more than Stone Cold. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, uh, well, okay, okay, okay. Maybe a little bit more. You can throw in a little bit of like Brian Danielson, a little bit of Kenny Omega, and you know, round it out.
0: Listen, you're already going past my repertoire. What I can bring back to this conversation post 1984? You know yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. <laughs> Not the last time you'll say that during this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'd like. First off, I'd like to apologize to everyone that Scrooge McDuck wronged. Um, today we are covering Don Rosa's "The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck" off of the recommendation of our friend Matt. I. Loved this comic. We'll get into our initial thoughts about this comic pretty soon. But first, Matt, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your first exposure to Duck Comics, why you wanted to bring this to the show, and maybe a little bit about this
2: book for the viewers. I didn't know there was going to be homework, but okay, let's try it. (laughs) So my first exposure to anything Duck was uh, the original DuckTales. So I was a fan of that when I was young and uh, you know, I I loved it, but I was pretty young when I was watching it. I didn't have like a ton of memories. And over the years, you know, I'd seen just a little bit, read a little bit um, of the, the duck comics, you know, Donald duck had his comic and Scrooge had his comic. I didn't know that when I was growing up and watching Ducktales, but I checked it out and I enjoyed it. And you know, you just, I was doing research about sorts of stuff and this uh, complete life and times of Scrooge McDuck, which is a, a two volume uh, collection by Fantagraphics reprinting these, these Disney duck comics uh, had come out. I'm not sure when this volume came out. There's been a lot of um, editions of this that have come out over the years. And this one came out and it sparked my interest. And so this was one of the first ones that I ended up reading in the last within the last, I don't know, five, 10 years or so. And I just loved it so much. And so ever since then, I've slowly been reading more and more Duck and Disney comics. And just, I just love it. I think it's a whole, um, you know, what I think is a very interesting paradox is that you don't hear a lot about a lot of online discussion about the Duck comics, I would say from a lot of people that talk a lot about comics or analyze or review or whatnot but they're also super, super, super popular worldwide. And they have been for literally like almost a century now. And there's a really great reason why I think these are amazing. And we'll get into the history a bit of the duck comics and get into more in life and times. But I think this is a perfect um, jumping on point, I would say, because this tells a very, very complete story, but it also touches on decades of comics that are actually built up over the years. And so Over time, you know, I've read more Scrooge McDuck by both Don Rosa and Carl Barks and a lot of different uh, ones outside of that. You know, Mickey Mouse has like a ton also. Um, One thing that's interesting is how popular a lot of these comic books are in Europe. So the European market is really big for Disney comics as well. Mickey Mouse in particular is really, really popular in Italy and has a lot of comics that were only um, there were only published in Italy. They were written in Italian. And in recent years, Fanagraphics has been doing this amazing job of reprinting them in these great volumes, collected really great, and um, exposing like Western audiences to a lot of it for the first time. So it, it's really fun. And I, I'm very interested to hear what you all have to say about this. I thought one of the most interesting things from the foreword to
0: these collections was pointing out that Scrooge McDuck comics are the most reprinted comics in the world. Right. And Don Rosa's like in the second volumes forward, he's like, I'm very famous everywhere, but North America. He's like, <laughs> and that's, that's very weird as someone from North America. And I had a lot of fun this week reading this comic and then reaching out to friend of the show, French cartoonist, Junie Ba to oh. talk about this. And he, he's like, oh yeah, duck comics are enormous in France. He's like, that's, all I grew up on. You uh, you
2: dropped that name. Let me pick that up for you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, send it right back over this way. <laughs> but before we get into maybe a summary of this, Alexis and Anne, can you talk to me about your first impressions of the complete life and times of Scrooge McDuck?
1: Yeah, so I knew nothing about this comic going into it. I remember... I. I actually picked it up for the first time on my flight to North Dakota this week, which um, is not a Scrooge McDuck adventure. Nothing fun happened. Um, I did not conquer the Klondike or the Yukon or anything (laughs) like that. Um, No, it was, um, I saw Big Fish and that was it. But I I opened this comic and I was was stunned because I did read a little bit of the forward and it's like, these are the most popular comics anywhere. I'm like, well, shit, I'm doing comics wrong. Fool me. (laughs) I was <laughs> like, damn. It's one of those moments that makes me feel like I have so much to learn. And I feel like I've barely scratched the surface, which is, you know, as someone that's been reading comics for 10 years, always exciting, but also so intimidating at the same time. It, it's it's incredible the, the reach that this genre has. And I read through this book and I'm going through it and I'm, I'm very charmed by it the whole way through. But I know, Matt, you love this comic so much, and I know that Dallas was just enjoying the hell out of it. Um, Dallas said that it was maybe his favorite thing he's read for the show this year, and in a year where we've covered a lot of big books like Watchmen for the first time, it's like, wow, that's a that's a really big standard to hold up to. And reading through the story, there's there's a lot that really, really impressed me, mostly from the art side. Um. But it, I got to the end of it, and I'm like, I need to hear Dallas and Matt talk about this before I reach my like final conclusion, because I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes where I'm like, listen, I don't think my opinion's settled just yet. It's solid. I had a lot of fun with it, but I really need to to have some of that come, come out, you know, where it's like, I'm not sure if I love it yet. It's definitely a comic that I'd be willing to, to read again, but I just... I don't think I was head over heels for it the first time through. And I'm not sure why.
2: It's also okay to not like the comic as much as us. We don't have to talk you into loving it.
1: I I, Listen, one of my favorite things that happens on the show is coming into a comic that someone else loves so much more than me and hoping that that feeling is contagious and caught by the end of the episode. That is one Mm. of my absolute favorite things. Like It happened with From Hell. It happened with Paper Girls. And... I'm, I'm just curious to see if this is going to be one of those episodes for me. How about you, Lex? I know you love
0: Disneyland. You love Disney World. You love <laughs> me. these Walk characters. Me. What did you think of Disney comics and this one in particular?
3: Honestly, this being my first Disney comic, which has I'm so surprised at, if I'm going to be completely honest, um, because I do love Disney. I love all the movies I've grown up going to Disneyland with our family it's one of my favorite memories I've had um but I really really enjoyed reading the story of the story and the shenanigans of Scrooge it felt very comfortable and it felt like very um I don't know like it felt like getting back into like your favorite book, if that makes sense. Like It felt very familiar to me, even though it was something I've never read before, because I'm like, oh, I know this character. I have heard my entire life about Donald's grumpy uncle that is just the richest man in the entire world. And also going into this, I don't know if anybody that listens to this podcast plays Disney Dreamlight Valley on your computer, or your Switch. But that <laughs> stupid duck is the biggest bitch. And I hate him. He has screwed me over literally so many times. That's why his name is Scrooge. He will screw you over every time. He has taken so much of my money. That's why the rich stayed rich. Eat him. He is a duck. Eat him. <laughs> but, no, it was really fun. I loved the shenanigans that he got into. And, um... I don't know. It just was so fun. I love the color. I love the art. I feel so familiar with like the old style cartoon of Disney, if you will. So it was great.
2: Awesome. Well, I, uh, I think it's so interesting that Scrooge is um, like this very well-known Disney character because DuckTales and all these comics over the years, but it's still kind of like an outlier. Like obviously Donald is way more famous than Scrooge and Scrooge has like, you know, not his only like animated appearances are in DuckTales, and he's what? He's not in any like Disneyland rides or Disney World rides. And but he's still super famous around the world because of these comics and because of DuckTales, and everyone kind of knows him to some degree. But the Duck Comics are like the, their own little little universe within Disney, right? Like, everyone kind of knows it, but it's it's super super. Um, expansive like over the years it's just been so built out so it's it's fun to get lost in it like um like ann you were saying how it feels a little intimidating the idea of like there's so much right here uh but what's fun about the the duck comics is that they're all very very fun standalone stuff where you don't have to read you don't have to read anything in order to to enjoy one of them they're all they're all fun on their own and they kind of um the more you read them, the more they kind of like build up the world and build up the characters. And this, this story, life and times, I I guess I should give you a little bit more backstory if you're not super aware of it, or if someone's listening to the podcast and is not super aware of it. So Scrooge was uh, made in 1947 by Carl Barks. And Carl Barks was a, a cartoonist. Uh, He was a storyboard artist. He did a ton of stuff under Disney and, he even co-created uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie um, in the, the first, um, it was funny, it was, a, it was a co-creation. It was someone else's idea, but it was made at the same time there was a, um, a Disney short called Donald's Nephews from 1938. And then they also showed up in the Donald Duck comics that were going on at the same time. And Carl Barks wrote both of those under someone else's idea. So he kind of was the genesis for that. And he wrote tons of Donald comics. And then he introduced Scrooge into Donald's comic. And then um, wrote, -wrote co-wrote these two lines of comics for decades, basically. And so everything that you see in this comic is originally created by Karl Barks decades before and references a lot of stuff. And what's interesting about, the Scrooge comics is that they're taking place kind of like DuckTales where it's happening now and Scrooge is old and he's had all this lifetime before him and they go on all these adventures now with the nephews and with Donald and he references a ton of stuff and runs into all these people that he used to know enemies and friends and you kind of hear him reference oh well this was when I was in the Yukon or this was when I was in Africa or Australia and you get this idea that Scrooge has live this you know, enormous life, but um, you're just seeing it through the lens of like now. And so, you know, Carl Barks wrote for, for decades and eventually retired. And then Don Rosa took over in the late eighties. And he was like the world's biggest Carl Barks fan. He was like, almost like a Carl Barks historian. Like there are people that are just so invested in the duck comics. They have them all and, and collect them and collate the history And so it was Rose's idea to write this comic, which came out over 12 issues. And then he did more in what Shark collected in the second volume, filling in between the stories to sort of create this like codified history of Scrooge and actually show you everything that happened in his life and all his past adventures and walk you through his life. it first came out in 1992 um, through 1994. And what I think is interesting is it kind of feels like an older comic because Rosa is um, echoing the style of Barks to a lot of degrees or a lot of the different stories. And so, but what I like is that, you know, there's, if you like read decades of Scrooge comics and you read this, you're like, Oh my gosh, it's actually the time when that he referenced to X, Y, and Z. Or if you're reading this and he'll reference little things here and there, set up little things. And it's like, Oh, I, I know who that is. Or I know where that little, uh, story goes after this and what leads to this or the Beagle boys or Goldie or um, or uh, I'm blanking I'm on um, just
1: Teddy all these Roosevelt. different
2: Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt who keeps showing up <laughs> in this. Um, but uh, you know, there's a uh, Flint Hart, uh, uh those sorts of things like they all kind of show up a lot, but you don't need to know any of that. I think, I mean, in my experience, when I first read this, I didn't have all those references and i thought it was great i didn't feel like i was i don't i didn't feel like i was lost i didn't feel like the comic was like winking at me and nudging me constantly without me understanding but i'd like to know what you all think about that because there are a lot of like references in this comic
0: there were Um, a lot of times especially like goldie that Mm -hmm. i was like i can tell there's more here that i don't understand Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. very clear that these characters are going to have a history and it doesn't happen within these pages Mm -hmm. but it never took me out of it if anything i mean i texted you halfway through the week like what else do i read now like what carl barks am i going to go dive into after this because i want more of this character for sure Um, but i guess i think i cut off Anne. what were you gonna say
1: no, I mean I was gonna say it, it didn't really catch me off guard. It just felt like like awakening parts of me that have been dormant for decades. Cause it's like I used to watch this show mm-hmm. and seeing like the um the Beagle Boys show up. I'm like, these guys are very familiar and I don't <laughs> know why. But then I had that thought where it's like, are they are they something I just Google and I'm like, yes, they are something in the show. Okay, this is something that I've been exposed to before. Vague, vague premonitions coming back. And just every time there's like a name drop, it's like, I know that it's something, but it's not going to be like, well, that story means less to me now. Like, I still love that first story in Africa, where, um, is this name Glomgold?
2: Flinhard Glomgold, yeah.
1: Yeah. Where he shows up for the first time, it's like, I completely forgot that he was a thing. Yeah. Um, but it's still just a perfect story to me, regardless. I think that was probably one of my favorite issues of the whole run, mm-hmm. but- it's it's a nice treat, and that's the way that like references like this should be. They should be a nice treat and not something quintessential to you understanding the story.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm actually kind of jealous that I haven't seen the original show now, because I feel like it would have made it better that if I recognized all these characters that you guys are talking about. Because I'm like, these are fun <laughs> people. Next. <laughs> hey,
1: it's never too late. It's never too late to go back and... Oh, ooh. I'm down.
2: The... Yeah. I I highly, highly, and I I recommend this to to Dallas also. I highly recommend the new DuckTales, the one that came out in 2017. You've seen it? I the
3: new one. Yes, I've seen the new one, but not the original one. Okay. It's
2: it's been a long time since I've seen the original. Yeah. So I wouldn't know how well it holds up. (laughs) All I know is that I was crazy about the uh, the DuckTales movie that happened also. Legend of the, is it Legend of the Forbidden Lamp or something Something like that? Which is basically like a Genie, Indiana Jones type story.
0: Cute. I think that captures a lot of what I loved about this comic is that Indiana Jones adventure genre Mm -hmm. that is brought to this comic. I In this era where genre fiction is at an all-time high, like everyone is perfectly okay, loving fantasy, loving sci-fi, loving romance, like we're all adoring genre fiction. I think one genre that has really... Been pushed to the side has just been like straight up adventure. Like we are going to go on an adventure. We're going to do things like Indiana Jones does. We're like the thing that was coming to mind for me is like Treasure Island is just this great book that transported me as a kid and that is the itch that was scratched this week by the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. It felt like I was reading an uncovered Indiana Jones movie which I mean, this is a year that an Indiana Jones movie came out. It was not very good. And so it was a lot of fun to read this very good comic that had that same feel to
2: it. And the original Uncle Scrooge comics are cited as an influence on Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Yeah, the the Rolling Stone comes from one of the mm. Duck comics, correct? Yeah. Wait, really? yeah,
2: that's in a Scrooge comic. Yeah, the, the giant boulder, um, <laughs> no, which I'm is funny already. to think about that whole whole, you know, this is translating certain archetypes. And then Indiana Jones is retranslating those archetypes. And like the character of Scrooge McDuck, like on the surface couldn't be any further from Indy, right? Mm -hmm. Like a crabby billionaire duck versus a rugged adventurer. um, But that's what I really like about Scrooge. And that was an interesting evolution in the character of Scrooge too, is when he was first introduced, he was just the, the mean, rich uncle. And then uh, as Barks wrote him more and more, he really loved him and turned him into more and more of a hero and sort of turned him into this big, you know, globe-trotting adventurer.
0: I think it's really fun as well with the three of us all being really big fans of Jeff Smith's bone. Like Jeff Smith mm-hmm. cites Karl Barks as a huge mm-hmm. influence as well. Like his two biggest influences are Karl Barks and Charles Schultz. And mm-hmm. everything that Bone is, is a Scrooge McDuck comic mixed with Charlie Brown. And so Don Rosa, being someone who also was influenced by Carl Barks, they it felt like a cousin comic to Bone for mm-hmm. me. And that was a lot of fun. I think this era of, and again, like Matt said, this is written to mirror the much earlier comics of Carl Barks. So it reads a lot more like a really well-refined Golden Age comic. And I think just the big open paneling with sparse dialogue, but really a really fast-moving narration. Like, I never felt bogged down by the narration of this book. It always felt like an extra treat to say things in a funny way to keep the story moving along and allowed the art to be more for action and jokes. Mm-hmm. And I just, I guess I wanted to ask maybe Alexis first and then Anne, what did you think of the panel layouts? Like, we have such big square panels in here where we get to see the characters and the scenes play out in a way that something like Superior Spider Man, we read a couple of weeks ago, the pages of those comics look drastically different from this. So, what did you
3: think, Lex? I feel like for me, it i mean it's just very reminiscent of like those old school disney movies like it just feels very familiar and very warm and i don't know like it just fits so perfectly with these classic characters um i don't know i just i i really like it i feel like it um i love the big like the bigger squares specifically i'm like looking right now um when he sees their big family castle for the first time, like that's very mm-hmm. cool. And like all these different landscapes that he's like standing on the brink of, of all of his adventures. Like, I feel like it's very fun framing those big events in bigger panels, which I feel like doesn't happen very often.
2: Yeah. When it, when something is more than a a normal sized one yep. eighth of the page, it's mm-hmm. impactful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, It's really interesting because there's a lot of modern comics today that won't go past probably about six panels on a page. That is, like, typically the cap. And it just feels like that's industry standard right now. But to see a comic like this where you'll have seven, eight, nine, ten panels per page, it's really, really interesting because I feel like in a mainstream like, you know, Marvel or DC comic, you couldn't do that and get away with it unless you're doing like a Tom King nine-panel grid and you're just like, this is this is what we're doing. This is we we having fun with this. There's not a lot of artists who can pull it off, but I think the thing that has consistently amazed me with this comic and amazes me even more cuz I read this comic on my on my tablet, right? And I read it just tablet up page by page flipping through just like that. And I thought it was fine. But I did think, like, the art is, like, really, really detailed. And as I'm going back through it now on its side, so all the images are blown up even larger, I think the thing that is making me lose my mind is just how much detail goes into every single one of these panels, even the the smallest of them. There is not a single panel that feels like a throwaway or just, like, it is here because it has to be here. Every single one got such detail and attention and care. And... I think that that means the world. Honestly, it's just making it seem like you give a, a damn about every single moment of your story. <laughs> I was, it was convenient. I was going through um, the most recent Avengers run just yesterday, and there was an, a, a splash page I think in like issue four or five that I flipped to on my. I was reading on my tablet as well. I flipped to it and I had to like stop for a second and I like flipped back because I'm like, did I accidentally zoom in? Did I start going guided view? What is happening? Because I flipped this giant splash page, which is supposed to be this huge monumental piece. And it's just, it felt so empty to me Mm. where it was like, Oh, a single moment of action. Iron man was flying up. and I'm like, okay, that looks, that looks decent. But then there's this giant monster city creature in the background that just had next to no detail on it. There was nothing interesting happening with this monster. And it takes up the entire page. And I'm like, I don't understand for the life of me why this needed a splash page. I don't know why this had to be as large as it was. It just, it's it's interesting to see more life in like this one, it's one panel of about nine on this page. But just more life out of this panel of Scrooge McDuck slamming his his goddamn door than one <laughs> in an Avengers comic of Tony Stark fighting a living city. I don't know how that happens, but it did. And I think when I think about gold standards for art, this is going to be one of the comics I think about. And awesome. it's incredible.
2: Well, uh, I was pulling up. I, let me see if I can put this. Uh, when he goes back into, into Dawson. Oh, that yes. one mm-hmm. And the entire town is this absolutely chaotic, you know, Wild West scene with everything. Uh, just so much detail there and so many gags. And one of the things that's awesome about this, especially on reread is that there's a background gag going on in almost every page where something's Mm -hmm. having playing out across several panels where you can see this background gag happening that has nothing to do with the story. That's literally just Rosa, just like riffing on an idea and getting that in there. And it's so alive Mm -hmm. and it's just really, really impressive to, to see like that level of detail and commitment um going back to the the grid and, and the the layout here so everything is done based on the the 8 panel grid structure and of course it doesn't always stick to 8 panels per page but that is the that is the underlying structure mm-hmm. of every page so that you can change it out you can break it out into a splash page which is super rare or like half the page or quarter like those sorts of things or even more panels i love when he does like the those little like really like shock moments. Like when someone gets really shocked for a second, it's like a, it's like a quarter of, it's like half of the normal size panel. Mm -hmm. So that would be like a 16th style, like sort of wedge in there for like a big, like moment of shock or anger or anything like that. And what I think is really the strength of having that structure is that it allows a very consistent rhythm to the panel layouts into the beats. So, I really think this is a great example of, of cartooning in comic books where we have this wonderful sort of caricatures that are really on point all the time and they are all very detailed, but they're always really great on model. And Rosa is consistently telling a really, 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 really well paced story. So that that, that way, like the, the comedic moments work really well because you're pacing them out in this structure where you are getting the, the setup and the punchline exactly at the right pace, exactly how he wants you to read it. Or you're getting the, the turn and the reveal of something like the discovery of like white agony plane when he's in the Yukon and, and comes across the Valley. It's very impressive because you, he knows exactly how to turn that reveal for you or Oh, man, like there's certain moments. The, the one that just like broke my heart this time was when he goes back to Scotland and you get er- everything. He He's back home and he decides like he can't stay. He has to go. He can't live in the past anymore. And him and his sisters leave and you get their father. Or they, they sneak out. And they're like, oh, you know, we we're going to go. It's better. just it does not say bye. And oh, there he is, he's waving. Oh, who's that with him? And this reveal that he's passed away in his sleep, and that it's his ghost waving toward them. And that reveal, and then the reveal of of the ancestor there, and then the reveal of the mom also there, and them walking into the through the the wall into the afterlife, and you just get this little glimpse of the father in bed, and he's passed away. And it's this amazing heartbreaking moment and i think it works so well because rosa is so in command of pacing he is gonna just and he's gonna make you sit in every panel as he wants you to and he's gonna lead you through it at the exact right timing that he wants you to go through i
0: think as well rosa is so clearly a a gargantuanly talented cartoonist. Like, if comic books are the medium of implied movement, where all the actual movement of these action scenes happens in the gutter between the panels, I don't think I've seen a better example this year of someone who can sell that movement by selecting the exact right frames between them all. I was Mm -hmm. never once lost. I never felt like anything dragged. This felt like I was watching an animated episode of DuckTales at all times because it just flowed at such a kinetic pace. And I think we're going to continue talking a lot about his artwork, but I think his writing and dialogue work is also incredible because I'm someone who is really picky about narration in comic books. I think a lot of narration in comic books is very boring and slows things down a lot and just shows like a lack of faith in the artist. But I never once felt that from Don Rosa. It always felt like it was adding to the pace of the story. It had a personality of its own. It felt like the perfect blend between like, it wasn't quite Stan Lee, like being crazy and just talking at you,
2: (laughs) talking past the fourth wall as the narrator, But it did feel like they're ignoring ignoring what Jack is actually trying to to make the story.
0: Yeah. Jack Kirby will have Sue Storm punching somebody's lights out and Stan will narrate like, isn't it crazy what women will do sometimes anyway, and just move (laughs) along. It just it felt perfectly in sync and like it was bringing something here. I thought the dialogue was delightful. Everyone had such distinct personalities. One of my favorite details was like the the Scottish brogue of everyone from Scotland (laughs) written phonetically at the beginning of this book. And then how Scrooge loses that throughout the Mm -hmm. book. And when he comes home, he no longer has that accent and you don't notice that he'd Mm -hmm. lost that accent until all of his family members have it again. And it's just Mm -hmm. such a simple, beautiful way to show like this guy's been gone for 15 years. He has lost this part of himself. He doesn't fit here anymore. And then there's, there's all the great moments of him trying to, perform all the feats around Scotland and show that he's a true Scottish man still. But it's that simple detail that never gets called out by any of the characters, but of his accent being gone and like even his mm-hmm. sisters still have it in a way that he doesn't. And I, I thought that was so clever and so clear to the amount of attentiveness and detail that Don Rosa brought to this project. Like there's just love that bleeds off of every panel.
2: Yeah, and like I said, it, it, I think it's because of um, he just loves Carl Barks' work, and he's making this, uh, you know, this uh, whole tribute to him. Um, I'd like to hear what you all think about the character of Scrooge himself, the one good billionaire.
3: I love him. <laughs> <laughs> i hilarious. Also, Dallas, I mean this with so much love, and it's not because he's grumpy or anything, but <laughs> Scrooge McDuck reminds me of our grandfather so hard.
0: Uh, Anytime the Val, true penny pincher Val,
3: penny pincher Val, we love him so much, but he, he's yeah, it's, not, it's gnarly. Not, yeah, no, it's bad. But I was reading this and I was like, "Is this Val? Is if is this Val? If Val was mean, <laughs> yes." <laughs>
0: I love Scrooge McDuck I love a grumpy mean character especially when like there's secretly a heart of gold under there like I love a lot of it comes forward in volume 2 more but when Scrooge is interacting with Huey, Dewey and Louie and like telling these stories and he he's so clear he's like grumpy and doesn't like what's going on but he totally likes it in the end of this volume when he has to go and steal back his loot from the Beagle Boys dressed as Santa's. And he's having the time of his life, but he has to pretend that he doesn't the whole time. I just find that immensely endearing, this old curmudgeon that has to hide his smiles from the world. And I think the the time period that they set Scrooge McDuck as someone who straddles the 19th and 20th century, it is just so ripe for... Endlessly interesting stories to be told about this character. And I loved in this volume our changing relationship with Scrooge as we were rooting for him, rooting for him, rooting for him, so happy for him, raising an eyebrow at him, so disappointed in him, (laughs) and then starting to uptick again, like, okay, he realizes he made a mistake, but he might not be able to save this. And then that leading us into the Carl Barks comics, where this grumpy old man who's made a mistake and has chosen to be selfish, greedy, and ornery slowly being softened back up into the great man that he once was. Like, I just, I think that's an incredibly Mm -hmm. fun character arc.
1: It's, it avoids the pitfall that a lot of prequels fall into where you follow someone who is not perfect when the original story starts. Where it's like, if you read the, I'm assuming if you read the original stories with Scrooge or if you just know, like I do, from DuckTales, when he starts, he is a thousand percent this curmudgeon who does not care about anything anymore. He is isolated. And until his nephews come around, he has nothing else to care about. Mm -hmm. And there'd be such an easy... It's it's such an easy thing to do because you want your audience to root for the character. You would want to be like, "Well, look, he is he's such a good guy." Actually, he was such a good guy the whole time. I love that the story doesn't shy away from showing the fact that no, he's an asshole. He's an absolute asshole who did some <laughs> really bad things and made some really poor decisions. It's a perfect three arc. It's a perfect um, three act character arc for a character who is kind of a douche and. <laughs> that I, I I mean I'm it's perfect that way it's it's the only way that this works it's the only way that this works without undermining any of the tales that come later with all the things that he has yet to do he went through one character arc so he can go through a second one later and it's it's fun that way it's really fun to have a character arc that's completely opposite of what you would expect mm. and I think- Sorry, no. That, that right before I move on, that climax where he has that last fight with the um, the Beagle Boys, and you get to see a little bit of that come out, where you're like, this is this is truly the perfect way to end the story. Being he is the curmudgeon, but awesome things are around the corner, and there is still that heart of gold in him somewhere. It just has to be chiseled out. It is really really great.
0: I think my favorite Scrooge McDuck moment comes right before he finally gets his giant glob of gold Mm -hmm. where he's looking out over the yukon he's eating his breakfast in the winter and he says this frontier is like so many others i've known unspoiled by the ravages of man still glorious in its virginity a man can face the world on his own terms here enjoy the fruits of his own labor live in a paradise of tranquility and beauty and bah, sucker talk when I find gold, I'll drain the creek with hydraulic mining. Blast the mountains apart and feed the trees to lumber mills. Progress! Exploitation! Money! <laughs> Shouts it. <into> the <laughs> I cracked up at this guy. I just... He's so... Like, you can't help but laugh with him when he's being a curmudgeon. When he's mm-hmm. doing things that we would be mad at anyone else for, it's mm-hmm. written in such a way that it's just... It's delightful. You're like, You're the worst. And you always have to say it that way.
2: (laughs) Uh, The the Carl Barks ones, they definitely still keep him as a, a Scrooge, a miser, and they play it for laughs. And he's so over the top. Like there's a lot of stories and adventures where they get into so much trouble because he just won't even spend a dime. And it makes everything so much more complicated. There's one where they're like go on this massive, you know, trek across these mountains because he refuses to pay for uh, a plane ticket for them all to travel. And then they get to the other side and they end up at the the airport. And they're like, oh, Mr. McDuck, uh, like, you own the airline. You own this airport. He's like, oh, I do? I didn't even remember that. I was like, yeah, you would have flown for free. And like, <laughs> he just because he wouldn't even refuse to. Or one of my favorite ones, this just killed me. It's like this two-page one. So, because they did like long story short stories this the way that they did you know backups and stuff is the story of uh they all go to uh this like zoo they go to this little zoo uh and they're like paying to feed the animals oh pay this for this and scrooge is like um, nah i won't pay for that no i won't pay for that no i won't pay for that and they get to like a flea circus and he says oh don't worry i got this and he rolls up his sleeves and he puts them out for the fleas to jump on him and suck his blood for free (laughs) (laughs) and it's so ridiculous and so he's like the butt of the joke too so he maintains like all that stuff but what i thought was interesting is that the this book really does main like it illustrates like the sort of the moral failure of scrooge at a certain point like that second to last issue um the uh empire builder of kalasota and he burns down the village in africa and it's like so horrible and the comics says comics is like he's horrible like this is the worst thing he's ever done and his Mm -hmm. sisters abandon him and then it's that interesting um back and forth of he's morally convicted and then he gets sidetracked for years does all these adventures it's morally convicted again sidetracked and just refuses to um embrace you know actual like rehabilitation of his own soul for like decades and uh you know the comic is clearly echoing like ebenezer scrooge and christmas tale and is echoing citizen kane and all that sort of stuff too of these uh, you know these so-called great men and who are super rich who are just you know their souls are like become cold and, and empty to a degree and then but it has the happy twist of, of starting to rehabilitate him at the end which i, I really like I think as well, it's really sweet
0: that that rehabilitation comes off of his one adventure he never got to have was having a family around him that mm-hmm. he loved. I thought, like, I, I didn't notice throughout the whole book how alone he was because he made friends everywhere he went. Like, there was mm-hmm. always an interesting cast of characters around him. He was always very charming. And he also always made enemies that were fantastic. But it really hit home there at the end that, like, this could be the thing that thaws Scrooge McDuck's heart. Like, I believed those stakes at the end of this book. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was great. My question for everybody, maybe we'll start with Matt this time.
2: Who was your favorite side character from this story? Oh, that's tough. Because, you know, you get one basically in every... Every issue, there's someone sort of. Ba- oh, I think I, I know. This kind of ties into what I was going to ask my own question was like, what What were your favorite issues? Also, um, I gotta go with um, Howard Rocker Duck, which is also one of my favorite issues. So this is issue four, part four, the Raider of Copper Hill, which is when Scrooge uncovers the 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 vein of of copper. Mm-hmm. which entitles him to the mine and Howard Rockerduck is there the whole time. It's like, okay, so you got to do this? You got to do this. You got to do this. He's like, suddenly he's like taking him under his wing and being like, here's all the steps you got to do. And then you're going to get the mine and then it'll be all yours. And you're going to be rich and powerful and you're going to finally hit your, you know, your dream. And then you find out that Howard rocker Duck owns the mine and he has been guiding him the whole time to let him take over. It's this amazing reveal. And I just think that's fantastic.
3: He was my favorite too. I really like mm. that issue. Also, yeah. I love his horse that he named after his mean sister.
2: Hortense. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> because I feel like that's something Dallas would do. He would name a horse
2: absolutely. after me. Uh, absolutely. Spy, but... I'd have an angry horse named Alexis. I, I really enjoy Hortense. I, I, and you can tell that she's going to be Donald's mom from the start. Because even as a as a baby, they give nope. her like the sound, and she's going like <laughs> as, as she's just like a <laughs> little one. She's not you can, like no one can understand her. What is she even saying? She's got like a horrible temper.
0: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> adored Pothole McDuck, his uncle on the Mississippi. Yes, pothole. Great
2: so good all the all the sayings about how thick and dirty the mississippi is yes yeah you had to sweep it off <laughs> it like cracked when it went around a bend or something like that it's so
0: funny and just when he shows up again in volume two and you find out about his dime novels he writes about himself <laughs> and he's in the wild west show like yeah
2: he's the best i love that BSer. yeah <laughs> And favorites, favorite side characters.
1: Um, I love I love Hortense a lot. Mm-hmm. I think she is wonderful, and the moment where she meets um her her future husband to be, um, yeah, was iconic. Honestly, iconic, forever and always.
2: <laughs> True love,
1: and yeah, it, they're perfect together, and <laughs> yeah, I just I, I love them a lot. Also, Beagle Boys always fun. Beagle, Beagle Boy's, Boys always is fun. Yeah, the, the I Beagle Boys—they're like, what was the, they were saying? Like something about going to like a different prison this time. And they're like, Mom's gonna be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> I I love
0: that. I have definitely watched Ducktales, but I watched them too young to have any specific Ducktail memories in my head beyond mm-hmm. just. Like, I immediately knew the Beagle Boys. And I was like, why do I know these guys? Like, why do I know your name is the Beagle Boys? And why do I know what your whole deal is? I have no specific memories of you. I also love when they get splashed with the mud and they take their masks off and they have the clean rings around. Yes. I don't know why, but that that killed me. I also... I loved the, the Mississippi River issue. I... I don't know if it was my favorite, but there were just so many great cartooning moments. Like the mm-hmm. when the boat flips on the waterfall ah, and the beagle yes. boy's right over the top of it mm-hmm. is delightful. The setup and then payoff of the log that shoots back up through mm-hmm. the Beagle mm-hmm. Boy's boat. The the amount of detail when they come into the grand room of the buried river boat. Mm-hmm. that bottom half where they're holding up the torch and it lights everything up. I love that there's very much a like a golden age clean line approach to this, but mm-hmm. the way that Don Rosa shows shadow is very reminiscent of like Brian Boland, who was doing a lot of the same stuff at this time, where you have these thick, close together lines that show the details of the shadows, and so it's yeah,
2: like up on when, uh... the ice sickles. When he uh, shows up in the the armor with the thunder cracking and everything, super cool, moody, badass,
0: he is. Or like when he's feeling when he's feeling dark and mischievous, it comes as well. Like the shadow crosses his face and he's way more crosshatched. He's wearing way more 3D rendered, and it never feels out of place. It just feels like we're getting an HD view of his evil thoughts. <laughs> i i also loved oh. every time he was a cowboy like when he was a cowboy that rode a lion when he every time he put on a cowboy hat he was delightful
1: i <clears throat> i love his buddy and best friend teddy roosevelt
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love how they start out coy they're like tr i was like is that teddy
1: Roosevelt? <laughs> and
0: then the next time he pops up, it's like, oh, my boy, Teddy. And then by the end, when he shows up and when Hortense chases away the U.S. Navy. The entire Navy... army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've never been prouder of a Scott. <laughs> <laughs> what did we have a favorite McDuck ancestor when Scrooge died and went and visited them all? <laughs> <laughs> and how they're all
2: horribly cheap.
0: And that was how he redeemed himself. They're like, we don't know about this guy. And then he's super cheap. And they're like, nope, that's ours. That's our guy. Send him back to yeah, our
1: boy.
3: We'll claim him.
0: <laughs> so funny.
1: I, I loved the reveal about the armors and how they only wore half of them because it made them shorter. Yes. And let them around <laughs> okay. everyone else. Like, look they the didn't design these helmets to look down. <laughs> I thought that was so fun.
0: I feel yeah. like this story does such a good job of creating memorable vignettes that don't necessarily feel like vignettes when you're in them. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily think, like, oh, this is the in Australia issue. Like, this isn't the, oh, we're here now. I just felt like the next part of his life. Like, he was traveling to Australia now seeking his riches. But it is so memorable. Like, there are no parts of this book that I don't remember because... Like, this sounds crass saying it about like a a masterpiece like this and something made by Walt Disney, but like it's all killer no filler. Like every <laughs> issue is fantastic and something memorable is going to happen. And that's hard to do. Like I don't know if I could name what happens in every issue of Watchmen, but I think I could name what happens in every issue of the life of the Alan Manchester Moore book. wishes. Honestly. <laughs> Alan Listen, Moore wishes. His birthday was yesterday. And we're not going to go easy on him. I'm sorry, On Moore. You never made Scrooge McDuck.
1: <laughs> Do you think the script for this was as long as Watchmen? Where it's like, panel one, page one. There's a big vault. The biggest vault you've ever seen in your life. And there's so much money. All the money. <laughs>
2: the, and the money smells like like the past.
1: The money smells the, of the, copper and iron. The filthy but you wouldn't lucre. know it by looking at the duck. <laughs>
0: the filthy lucre of a capitalist pig. He rolls around in the memories of his past. You're like, Alan, shut up. <laughs> do you think, if Alan Moore wrote this, just like he talked about lying in the muck to become Swamp Thing, do you think he'd lie in a
2: bath of coins to think about Scrooge? <laughs> that would be great. I've always wanted to swim around in the giant pool of coins.
3: I love that it makes the gag that he figured out that he could do that.
2: Yeah. Just like so by jumping
3: into is. all of his money.
2: Hmm.
1: Just him. Just instinctual. <laughs> I love yeah. that
2: based out of his like pastime of like bathing in it anyway he like learned it instinctually it's so ridiculous but i love it um what i love that uh the the first half of the comic is just giving him a bad beat every issue ends in him coming up short coming up short coming up short coming up short just like nothing ever quite works out and he's still pushing through and he's still pushing through and he's still pushing through until he finally gets the 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 goose egg nugget and that page where he uh the series of four like yeah you know, again that and that's Rosa breaking the structure of the series of four panels where he's like, do I really want to be rich? <laughs> and then like yes. his entire demeanor <laughs> changes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, <laughs> I, I was just flipping through,
0: and I gotta shout out this Woolly Mammoth page. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> of course the monster, you do. The monster in the ice. That might be the best Woolly Mammoth I've ever seen in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Like that, I thought Doc Shaner had that with his Johnny Quest comic, but I'm sorry. Don Rosa did draw a better Woolly Mammoth. I'm sorry, Doc Shaner. You're still great. I almost bought that Doc Shaner page, but I hey, did not.
1: So, quick question. Since... Um, Scrooge technically died and came back. Does that make him a Jesus metaphor or am I reaching here?
0: <laughs> Zack Snyder confirmed to direct the life and times oh, of Scrooge McDuck. Oh
2: my God. <laughs>
0: Listen, you don't know what he did with those owls on Gethul. You don't even <laughs> want to know what he does with the ducks in Duckburg. It takes place you. in the same universe as Rebel Moon.
1: Makes so much sense.
0: I do not think Scrooge is a Christ metaphor. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going <laughs> to give much you this money. one. Too Damn. much money.
1: Mm. Yeah. Really went for it there. Thought I had you, something.
0: You know that page where he's on the camel in Australia? Uh, remember, a camel can fit through the eye of a needle easier than Scrooge McDuck can get into heaven. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: Alexis, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at the page where he's carrying the tree. I'm like, wow, just like Jesus and the cross. It's crazy.
2: Just, just like it. You got
1: to get out of here. (laughs) You got to (laughs) go. Lex,
0: I want to hear a few more of your favorite moments from the comic.
3: (sighs) Okay, I feel like a lot of mine were like we mentioned earlier how there were like little sneaky things in the background that were always happening. Like specifically Mm -hmm. the first one where the guy like right as he gets off the boat into the, into the States and this guy's like, watch out for pickpocketers as he's pickpocketing him and stealing his entire bag. (laughs) The guy that's telling him to watch out for pickpocketers stole his entire bag. And then he just holds up the handle. He's like, what the? And then just keeps walking. And then, There's another moment with um, Uncle Pothole where he's gambling with that um, the guy he gets the riverboat from, and there's like the girl that's trying to flirt with him, and it took me a second to like realize um, she's is trying to take the money off the table that he's gambling with, and he grabs her arm, and then on the uh, next page she has a little sling on her arm. Because he grabbed her. He was like, don't you dare. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? She didn't have that on the last page. Like, he's just like not even paying attention. And like just little weird stuff like that. Um, yeah. Just makes me laugh. Um, yeah, no, those are the first two. Off. I'm like flipping through. I've been mm-hmm. flipping through while we we're talking about it. And I feel like each one just has. Oh, and then when he's talking, when he gets um, falls off the back of the train on his way to Denver and he gets his head stuck in the gopher hole and the gophers are all like talking back to him and he doesn't know what's going on.
2: It's also (laughs) hilarious.
1: Just
3: a lot of little funny stuff or like when um, the sinkhole sinks into that old ship and the farmer's like, oh, I got myself a split level home. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in this economy, yeah.
1: I was... um. Matt, I was looking at that page of Dawson you were talking about and just looking at everything that's mm-hmm. happening in the background. I think my favorite is the fact that there's that um, dog sledder who's getting chased on that page. but Then if you go to the next page, you see him through the saloon doors and he's being whole. the. He is now carrying the dogs on the sled and they're barking at him. I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> that's karma. That's beautiful. Nature I finds it. a way.
2: <laughs> there's looks- just, yeah, so many moments of comedy. Um, yeah. Dallas, keep going. What are you going to say? I love how the eight panel
0: page makes this such a dense read and it doesn't feel dense in a way that you're being punished because it is so good. (laughs) It feels like you just get more good out of it. Like the page Mm -hmm. of him discovering the Valley where he'll eventually make his riches. The two pages of him discovering that are hysterical when he's standing he climbs down the cliff and then he stands on a bald eagle sideways. He ties himself to the bald eagle. The bald eagle flies him across the valley. Then he cuts himself loose and he lassos his way to the top of a tree which he pulls down and a robin falls out of the tree to its demise. <laughs> Before he there's just just this great panel of like him swiveling his head back and forth and it just like this This comic passes so many basic comic booking tests where, like, I don't have to read any of the dialogue to understand what is happening in this story. I can see it all through the cartooning. But then if I add the dialogue, I understand so much more how Scrooge is feeling about what is going on. And then when I add the narration, when it's present, it sets the stakes and the larger world around the pictures. Like every one of the narrative tracks of this story adds something new that can be car- that can carry on its own, but sings much brighter because of the things below it. And it just, it's so refreshing to read a comic book that is so well tuned that like everything is necessary. There's never a point where I feel bogged down by the comic book.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was starting to reread it, I was I was a little even myself I was a little daunted. I was like, oh yeah, this is like dense, but it's really it it looks dense, but it reads really fast. Um, one of my one of my favorite moments in the entire comic is also one of the most like heartbreaking, which is when he's in the Klondike and he gets captured by a Slick, and he's on the riverboat. And he starts reading him the letters from home, and I had forgotten about this. And he's, oh, the other letter is more recent. It's from you. It's from Daddy. He goes, uh oh, bad news from home. Tisk tisk. You boys really shouldn't be so mean to a poor motherless lad. And I remember, and when I reread that, I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> like, and then he just gets so so angry in that moment that like flips into the sepia tone, sort of like you know, like accounts vary as to what actually happened and how he just just wrecked everything after that it is like to me is really powerful it gives it gives you this moment of, of real tragedy in in uh, in Scrooge's life um, that really lets it play out and that even though so much of this comic is funny like you still care you care about the characters and you care about Scrooge so when something so like so much loss happens you you really feel it
0: Yeah. I think all the emotions in this book felt very earned. Like when I was supposed to feel sad, I felt sad when I was supposed to be angry. I felt angry. I was never confused by the character's motivations and building off of that idea of motivations as someone who is trying to write adventure novels and trying to give that driving force to like why we're going on all these quests, mm-hmm. I was so consistently impressed by Don Rose's ability to just effortlessly be like, this is where Scrooge is going next. And it makes sense why he's doing that. Like it never felt like he was just following a plot along. There was always a convincing driving force behind Scrooge and it was always fresh, always interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just like the real basic bones of adventure storytelling were so strong in this comic.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I, um, what are some of your all's favorite issues as we were touching on all these different little beats
1: I think issue two with the riverboat is probably the one of the best executed narratively in this whole thing mm-hmm. just being able to set up everything you need to set up get introduced to this riverboat character mm-hmm. um, get introduced to the, the sawyers and how that's going to come in later the introduction of the beagle boys Um, and it's just a whole complete solid adventure from start to finish. It's just, if you read like one single issue and you read that, you'd be like, wow, I'm more than satisfied. That was wonderful. And it felt like it had its own little contained character arc for Scrooge in itself. I think that is, I think it's easily one of the best written of the issues, but I, I love the issue so much where Scrooge goes back to Scotland both times. I love both of his returns. Mm hmm. How about you, Lex?
3: I also think that when he goes back to Scotland and participates in the games is one of my favorite. <laughs> also, I love Scotty McTerrier. His name is so funny to me, and I think it's so cute. <laughs>
2: the, I the vaguely dog, vaguely dog-like no. uh, various people. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm like, oh, a Scottish <laughs> terrier. How cute! <laughs>
0: I love the buckaroo of the badlands when he first meets Teddy Roosevelt and they go through, they see all the dinosaur skeletons Mm -hmm. and they do the big chase around the badlands with the bear or the bandit. And it's, it's just really, really fun. I, like I said, I love cowboy Scrooge and I think this might be my favorite cowboy adventure of Scrooge's.
2: Mm -hmm. It's interesting that the last, like two issues kind of really do switch into a different gear as we're jumping through time a lot more. Um, Empire builder has like so much of him jumping around through time. And it's kind of like Rose is kind of being like, okay, we know everything about Scrooge now we've gotten him to where he's going to be. And here's kind of catching us up to where we are now. And then the last issue is, you know, present uh, and him encountering Donald. Oh, I love, I love little Donald kicking him in the butt. Mm-hmm. I love that. the Little Donald is so cute. And then he just like turns around, silently kicks him. <laughs> and then when Scrooge um,
3: does it back like 20 years later, he's like, "Listen, is a joke.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I love the, I mean, the dynamic between them, between mm-hmm. Scrooge and Donald is, is amazing. Which is funny because um, I, I love the new DuckTales cartoon, but Donald is almost always separate from everyone else he's kind of always doing his own thing so you don't get a ton of like scrooge and donald together it's a lot of like scrooge and the kids together and donald kind of in the b plot um was it, one thing of note uh, a couple things of note for this comic is that it was early this year or late last year where disney said that they weren't going to be republishing Issue eleven anymore. They said it was racist and out of date and they didn't want to publish it anymore. And it was because of uh the zombie that they Mm -hmm. were they were not gonna do that. And I look you know, rereading, I was like, so I'm not here to like you know, tell you about anyone else's experiences, but I get that this is from the early nineties and it's also translating stuff from, you know, decades prior. So a lot of the a lot of the, I would say the cultural uh, interpretations in this are out of date, but a lot of what you see is like the West or Australia or Scotland. And there's not a lot in Africa. And when it comes to that, it's like, okay, I can see this being a little out of date. Um, I, I think that that's a little extreme. I really don't know if Disney actually has followed up on that because if you refu- if you stop publishing, it, it's like, well, what are we going to, you know, you, it's not even you can't even finish the story now.
0: Yeah, I I saw people bring this up when I started posting about this leading up to the show, and mm. they were talking about how like it's been scrubbed from the recent editions of the fanographics books. That I mean, that's not the case. Like I got this book a couple months ago, and it,
2: yeah, maybe there's another. I think there's been it. a few other versions. But yeah, I don't I don't, I don't know. know, but
0: I it is an incomplete story without the chapter,
2: mm. and yeah. It's kind of the glue. It's kind of the glue that takes you up to present day. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't know. What, do you,
2: what do you all think about that?
1: I mean, it's always one of those things where it's like, yes, we have definitely changed and grown as a society to part where it's like, we, we, we understand why, like looking back at it, this probably wasn't the way to tell the story, but I think there are parts of that chapter that do matter. And I think having that, with the proper historical context is always important. Like I am always in favor of like show something the way it was made with the context and let mm-hmm. an audience come to their own conclusion about it. They're smart enough to do that. And yes, it will be embarrassing for you as a company, but boo fucking who <laughs> Disney. I'm I'm not sure if you know this Disney, but everyone definitely loves you though just the way you are. <laughs> um no one has any shady feelings about you whatsoever. So, you know, re- kicking kicking that out will definitely make everyone feel so much better um, <laughs> about all of your other business practices too. So I think you have <laughs> I think they would have their minds set on the right place if they chose to do that. But I don't know. It's I have come such a just the way that people talk about stories now, I it it, it bugs me a lot that we are very very um, picky about how art is interpreted rather than to the point where we're like, just ignore it completely rather than let's talk about it. Let's understand why this is the wrong thing to, to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Alexis, you're a massive Disney mark like me. What do you think about, about all that?
3: I feel like I completely agree with Anne, but I also will say like, I, I feel like a lot of the story would have been missed without the issue of Eleven, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. like with just my own reading. I feel like that perfectly illustrates like his fall down to the Mm -hmm. depths. And like, I mean, we have like his sisters leaving him and like him kind of coming to terms with like, oh, I have completely ostracized myself from everyone I've ever known. And yes, it has not aged well, and I can understand why they do want to get rid of it and scrub it clean from the record, but I completely agree with Anne. Like, if there is proper context and it's something that's talked about and known how people feel about it, I mean, obviously, this is written forever ago, so, you know. Yeah. I agree, yeah I mean I agree.
2: Disney Plus they always put those warnings right the disclaimer before anything yeah. older like oh here's an outdated A representations you know yeah. well, the, this kind of, they put it before that okay and then they they have it up there for millions more people to watch than yeah. than are reading life and times of Scrooge McDuck also that it does eliminate one of the most darkly funny beats in the whole comic which is that Scrooge is kind of responsible for the Titanic sinking. So
3: good, <laughs> yeah. So good.
2: The the, the the zombie in the ice was pulled to him and hit it, and then the guy that he's talking to, John Jacob Astor, is a real person that died on the Titanic. That's crazy. He's a real like millionaire of the time that died. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you're missing out on that. You're missing out on you're missing out on the best kind of humor, Titanic humor. <laughs> Listen. Tragedy humor, always funny, unless you're talking to people
0: directly (laughs) tied to it. I have never felt more embarrassed by a joke that I still thought was funny than when I threw a banger 9-11 joke, (laughs) like a week into living in New York. And then the whole room went deadly quiet. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, yeah. right. Sorry, Mm -hmm. never mind. We all laugh at you behind your backs, by the way, in case you are wondering.
2: Gosh. You get, you know, with time things become funny, but you know, the closer you get to where the tragedy actually happened, yeah, you're gonna very, have to add on some more years. That's yeah. very funny
3: coming from Utah, where nothing <laughs> nothing bad ever happens, not like there's a <laughs> giant epicenter of terrible religion here.
1: But <laughs> what, anyway, <laughs> my Mormon jokes are fine here, but then you know, we we'll, we'll no, they're still here.
3: funny here, too. I love oh, I
1: Mormon jokes.
2: Something, something under the banner of heaven. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, got it. Um, uh, Disney, the other thing to bring up, which I'm sure people would want to hear about when we're talking about this, is we talked about Disney business practices, <laughs> which ties into the idea of the, the the Duck Comics being the most reprinted comics in the world, which was that Don Rosa, like a lot of comics, uh, comic artists, writers that work for Disney, like Carl Barks, were paid a flat rate for all of their stuff that they wrote for all these comics and have no percentage of any of the royalties for anything. So well, I time Scrooge McDuck and tons of these duck duck comics have been reprinted so much around the world over and over and over in all these different languages. You know, I think that these were even first published before they were published in the U S they were published in, I think somewhere in Europe, uh, the Netherlands or possibly something like that first. And, all they were ever paid was just the flat rate for making the comic and nothing else, even the reprinted, 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 reprinted. And I think that even the fanographic stuff, you know, Rosa or the estate of Karl Barks didn't get a percentage for that either. Um, they probably got paid to write something to write like the forward, uh, but nothing else besides that. And the, um, crazy work rate that Rosa was on and even Barks was on the amount that they were pumping out every month and obviously the detail and then the really just minimum that they were paid in return burnt them out and that's why Rosa quit uh that's why Barks quit and all that sort of stuff so even the the passion that they have and I think that Rosa is still very passionate about you know Scrooge McDuck and Donald Duck burnt them out of, of working for them even though they did all this stuff, and no percentages for ducktails, anything like that. It's so brutal. Something to be aware of. That is it's important to bring. It
3: is wild. Also, yeah. Scrooge McDuck is just Disney. I said it.
1: <sighs> That's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't the... surprise me, but it's you know shitty.
2: Yeah, it it's so interesting to to read these or I've been on I was texting Dallas about I've been on a big like kick of rewatching classic Disney shorts also. And a ton of them were put on Disney Plus for the Disney 100. There's so many and I've watched a ton and they're just genius. There's so much genius behind a lot of these and these seven or eight minute shorts or, you know, these 20 page comics or even the shorter ones that you just see the amount of like genius work that went into it by just a small group of people working under the corporation. And even back then it was small, but they were still just work for hire passionate artists, making this sort of stuff that has influenced generations and generations of Mm -hmm. of fans and of new generations of artists. You know, you go from Barks to Rosie, that's like the perfect, like, you know, sort of example of a generation impacting another generation. And to say, well, they did it for the love, the love for the love of Disney, even right, for the love of these characters, for the love of art. But they should still be paid, like you know, for actually yeah. creating this this stuff. Like you know, Carl Barks uh, created Scrooge McDuck, and he created Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and, and all this stuff came from him. And Rosa helped make all this stuff, and he should be getting paid, you know, percentage for all these reprints of his work. And it's no. Shade on on Fanographics. You know they are licensing and they are helping to reprint and to put out the best edition possible. But in the end, it's Disney that owns it, and Fanographics isn't gonna isn't able to you know wedge out a percentage for Rosa or something like that.
0: It's interesting as well. I mean, it's the great conundrum of comics, right? Where Don Rosa not getting anything above just a pay rate for this new forward. But even in the forward to volume two of this, he's like, I'm so proud of the rest of the work I did. You should absolutely check it out. Like Fantagraphs is also putting those out. Like there's such so clearly a love for this project that they did.
2: Mm-hmm. And like yeah.
0: we mentioned Alan Moore in this episode. I think you are just as justified to go the opposite way where Alan Moore's like, I don't want to talk about this shit ever again. Mm-hmm. They do not talk to me about comic books. And it's just, I mean, he's just like you that way, Matt, but (laughs) (laughs) there's, it's so interesting because comics exist on such a small scale where it feels very personal that people are being exploited for the art that they make. But ultimately like everything Disney has ever put out has been built off of the creative drive of a few people who make a whole lot less money than the people who, own and help operate on the macro scale Disney as a corporation, right? Just in comics, like we know Don Rosa's name. I don't necessarily know all the animators names mm-hmm. on the DuckTales cartoons, but it, it does tap into and helps remind us of this, just this gap between the people that make the art and the people that are paid for the art when we all mm-hmm. choose to consume it. And it's oh, absolutely sure. something worth being aware of while we participate in these things. And it's sad for people like Carl Barks and Don Rosa, where you can't necessarily be like, so make sure to look at their creator owned comics. Like that's not something that exists for these guys, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah. <sighs>
1: it's a bummer. And, and thoughts on
2: monopolies. Disney can go duck themselves. <laughs> And, you know, again, and Disney has such an amazing collection of just their own, like, not just the IP they bought in the last decade or whatever, but their Mm -hmm. own stuff that they've made over the years. And they have all these amazing icons, these characters, stories, worlds, and they own them, but they wouldn't be anything without the individual artists that gave Mm -hmm. life to them, that made them special, um, that had these ideas that, that... put the stories into existence in the first place or that took the ball and ran with them afterward too and continued to make them relevant. Otherwise, they wouldn't mean anything. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Listen, I learned about this great Mormon
0: named Don Bluth from a great (laughs) video from a friend here. I learned all about why Littlefoot is so crazy. And I was like, that's because it's my kind of (laughs) crazy.
2: Alexis, that was a great video that you made. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah, thank you, Alexis, for... Your Matt Draper YT. That stands for white.
2: No, it does not. <laughs> Wait, it doesn't? <laughs> not even on that platform anymore. <laughs> uh, should, should we
0: roll into our questions?
1: Hell yeah. Good.
0: All right. So, first question comes from Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. It says Hi, ducks. Question one Wouldn't it break your bones diving into a massive pile of coins? Not if fish, Scrooge.
1: I was going to say, everyone except for those who have been genetically conditioned to be Scrooge McDuck, specifically, <laughs> yes.
0: Listen, Scrooge McDuck is built different, and he did his <laughs> 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. We saw it. He was bathing in the barrels. He did his mm-hmm. time. He, Much like Michael Phelps, sure, does he have a genetic disposition with these giant arms and enormous shoulders? Absolutely. But he put in the work. When he dove... Across that train like a porpoise, I felt something stir deep in my icy heart.
3: (laughs) That was also another good moment. Forgot about that one. (laughs) And then he hits the colt. Yeah. (laughs) And it (laughs) stopped working. Just works in coins. It's about
0: the fluidity of coins. Mm -hmm. I love the giant ugly box of money. That is so funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And seeing it slowly grow. Beautiful. (laughs) question number two and this comes up a little bit later as well so we'll just skip it when it comes later but thoughts on the modern DuckTales cartoon so we've all touched on it a little bit do we want to talk about 2017's DuckTales yes
1: always it's cute I'm two episodes in and I'm going to go deeper because it is a fun show it's cute
2: I love it I love it I'm it's one of my favorites in recent years. I think that uh, the, I love the, the lore that they build up with it too. And it's a, definitely a reinterpretation of, of everything, you know, you, you, you know, start off with the basics here, but you know, it's, it's doing its own thing and it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be um, faithful to like the barks and roses stuff, but it's definitely pulling off of it. And I really enjoy three seasons and each season kind of has its own man, main antagonist. I love the characters. I just, I'm, I was a huge fan of it, and I want to rewatch it. Um, and I don't want to make a video on it. Mm-hmm.
0: My favorite thing to come out of the Ducktales is the Howard Stern interview with Danny Pudi, where he's like, "What's a luxury for you?" And he's like, oh, "I love a nice cup of coffee." And he's like, "That doesn't count." And he's like, "Okay, a nice new pair of socks." And he's like, "That doesn't count. That's not a luxury." And he's like, "Well, what do you mean then?" He's like, "A luxury, something like a private jet, a yacht, a vacation to Italy." And Danny Pudi goes. I'm a voice actor for Ducktales, Howard, <laughs> and it might be my favorite interview of all time. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. the all new right. the the remastered theme slaps hard.
2: It does, I and also, I want to. I, I want your thought as you keep watching, please. As as we've discovered, you do have my number. text me. I do, I do me. have that phone number. I Even will though text this you is, my this thoughts. has been. Uh, Anna has, has sort of rediscovered that she has my phone number mm-hmm. about every time I'm on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, please, please tell me your thoughts on it as you go deep.
0: Absolutely. I love the new animation style as well. It feels very mm-hmm. clean and it feels very reminiscent of the Ducks comics, but yeah. it, it's also obviously very modern as well. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Uh, question three, with another Scrooge in mind, and it being approaching the season, what is your favorite version of A Christmas Carol?
2: Oh, oh sh- come on. There's only Christmas. one. There's only one.
0: We can all say it at once. Oh, I'm three. not going to have
3: the same answer, so you guys go.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to say One. A Muppets Christmas Carol.
2: It's not even close. Carol. Where <laughs> are we, Christmas Carol? Or we the Doctor Christmas Who, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. <gasps> Doctor Who. I have, I have not seen Doctor um, Who. I haven't seen that one.
1: The Doctor Who Christmas Carol is so fun because it involves time, literal time travel, and there are flying sharks. That's that's all you need at Christmas time. Kermit. <laughs> no, but the Muppets Christmas Carol. The Muppets is so Christmas good. Carol is so good. Mm-hmm. It's and one of my top
0: you You've
3: seen that? You've never seen that? It's,
2: really? no. Oh, it's wonderful. How do we grow Lexi, movie no, night. I movie was watching night, Lexi.
3: Barbie Christmas Carol. You were watching Muppets Christmas Carol. We are two different know. types of people. Hold I
2: watched it every year. It played tell in your about... house like eighteen times. Alexis, tell me about this Barbie Christmas Carol. Is Bibble in it?
3: No, Bibble <laughs> was not invited <laughs> to this one. <laughs> Bibble's only with the fairies, unfortunately.
2: Well, what am I gonna? What do I want to watch it for? I I only the watch the fairy Barbie movies with Bibble.
3: <sighs> I mean, I don't blame you. Those are the best ones. <laughs>
2: yeah, obviously.
3: The fact that you know who Bibble is just made my whole life.
0: <laughs> Honestly, I, walking around Brooklyn, I see a lot of people with Bibble's exact haircut. <laughs> That's a very Bibble-coded person that just walked by. <laughs> That's my Every barista I've ever Bibble interacted with.
3: Halloween.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh Jeez, Bibble. I can't. Wait, is this a standalone? This is a standalone Barbie?
3: Yeah, it's just like is one it... of the classic animation. Wait.
2: Is she Scrooge?
3: No. Her boss Is she the Scrooge. ghost
2: of Okay.
3: Oh, I was she's, got the, she's got the kid that's gonna die. It. Probably. It's a very cool. loose interpretation. Bar-
2: Barbie was dead to begin with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Barbie is actually
2: Marley. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Bibble shows up as the ghost of Christmas uh, yet to come.
3: Yeah, Christmas future. Grave. <laughs>
0: Who does the elephant with the human teeth from Paradise Island play? Oh, it! <laughs>
2: oh, Ghost of Christmas Past, of
0: Reaching course. Return your nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I think about the Peacock, Elephant, and Red Panda from your Barbie Paradise Island playset.
3: Specifically because that was my favorite one, too.
0: Twice a week. I think about you with the Peacock Feather fan that came, and you would always disconnect it, and you'd fan yourself like an elegant lady while you were making your Barbies divorce each other.
3: Yeah. I had the best. The Barbie movie was made for me. This year, watching that, I was like, yeah, I have a basement Barbie, too. (laughs)
0: He's Alexis always had the craziest lore. Everyone always jokes like Barbie was scissoring each other. That's what He Man and Skeletor <laughs> were doing with me in the other room. And is Barbies were like Mine were solving wives. They were solving like geopolitics while also divorcing their husbands and also being mad that only one of them got the toilet paper wedding dress made for them and the other ones had to wear the, the stupid. Boxes. He's there
3: no All my dirty laundry over here.
0: <laughs> Alexis was the number one toilet paper fashion designer in Layton, Utah, circa 2004.
3: Joke's on you. It was tissue paper. It's different. And oh, I'm Tissue I'm boxes sorry. only. And I single-handedly in 2008 was going to run our parents' finances in the grave with that. <laughs> I remember the- dad yelled at me. He told me to stop using the tissues. <laughs> he was like, please stop using the tissues out of the box. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I <laughs> oh, oh. I remember my mom showed me her Barbies not too long ago, and they still had some of the dresses. And she's like, Yeah, I just made this dress for her. I'm like, You what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just casually uh. just sewed a dress for her Barbie, which is fine. Oh, That's okay. <laughs>
3: yeah. I didn't know how to sew because I was definitely eight years old, but it just was a lot of tape and tissue paper. <laughs>
2: <sighs> no, Scrooge, I bet Scrooge you a McDuck. Yeah, exactly. Was same thought. Scrooge definitely knew how to sew by eight. For oh sure. yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I was uh, lacking.
2: Hold on, so I haven't actually seen the Barbie movie, you know, from this year yet. Is Bibble in it?
3: No, they had the opportunity, the and they did not take it.
2: Bibble is in the
0: end credit scene, actually. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay.
3: Dude, He's in- is the best thing that came out of the Barbie franchise.
2: <laughs>
3: well, how obviously, do you how do you make also, me remember the little Bible? polar bear in the Pegasus movie.
0: <laughs> the polar bear's is good. For some reason, Barbie Swan Lake always oh, like really stuck I in see. my head. Like I don't. No matter how many times we watched that, I always was like, "How's she gonna get out of this one?"
2: Like, <laughs> <laughs> How's she gonna unswan herself?
0: <laughs> oh no! You can, you,
2: you can take you can take your Citizen Canes. You can take your Lawrence of Arabias. What I'm about? I'm about those straight to video. Barbie, fairy movies, and mm-hmm. the fucking Tinkerbell movies, man. Like
3: <gasps> Tinkerbell
0: I'm movies I'm talking slap. Stone Cold classics. Those were so funny.
2: The, I remember the
0: redhead Tinkerbell. With, if Anne hasn't watched those Tinkerbell movies, that redhead's going to rock her world.
3: Just one. they like, oh. <laughs> and,
0: <laughs> and
3: oh, Rosetta? The, ah!
0: Rosetta. The one that's like the, the fall girl that like kind of talks to animals, too. I, It's <laughs> over for Anne. She watches that movie one time. <laughs> That was me and Arthur and the Invisibles. That was my first manic pixie dream girl was Arthur and the Invisibles.
1: (laughs) Wait, what movie was this?
0: Uh, Anne's like, I need to see the redhead. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see the redhead. (laughs) (laughs) Just look up the Tinkerbell movies and you'll you'll know. She comes on. She'll come on the screen and be like, damn it, he was
3: right. Rosetta, look her up.
0: Alexis do you want to read Russell's question for us of
3: course I do all right <clears throat> I might hiccup <clears throat> hello Russell here I know a thing or two about ducks but mostly just one from Cleveland that's trapped in hold a world on. he's never made
2: hold on hold on I just looked up Rosetta <laughs> golly <laughs> Man, look this up <laughs> I
0: told you
3: She's a cutie
0: it's- it's a game changer.
3: Especially when you find out she has a cute southern accent that she talks in. Oh. Game over.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. I was in the background, standing in the corner like that guy from the meme while they're all dancing. It's like, Alexis doesn't know I'm watching Tinkerbell from the corner. <laughs> Lex is like, I know you're watching Tinkerbell from the corner.
3: Yeah, says so the guy who pretended he was Kim Possible and jumped off his little motorcycle in the backyard. That's I knew my were favorite watching
1: Dallas story.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me and Kim Possible, we were we were real close. Tight, they were tight. Sometimes, <laughs> even now, when I wear a crop top around the apartment, I'm like, "Call me, beat me if you want to reach me." Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, get out of this house. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right, Lex, Russell's question.
3: Okay, Russell says he knows a thing or two about ducks, but mostly just one from Cleveland that's trapped in a world he's never made. I don't understand that reference, so I'm sorry, Russ. That's uh, Howard
2: the Duck. That's oh, a, that's hilarious. Oh, I, thought was, I thought it was a Family Guy reference. All right,
3: anyway. too. <laughs> uh, I love DuckTales. I love Carl Barks, Don Rosa, and everything else. But my love for DuckTales originally actually started with the DuckTales Remastered Video Game.
2: (gasps) Ah, yeah. So my question is,
3: is there a video game that made you guys a fan of a character and it led you to their source material? That's a really good question. Um, And then secondly, I used to do a show called Trapped in a World, the Howard the Duck podcast. I think the original Steve Gerber or the later Zdarsky runs would be a great episode on this show. Thank you, Russ. P.S. Hobble Gobble.
1: <laughs> you gotta is
2: have. Is that a Thanksgiving reference? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. We're do to us.
1: A, a show where we talk about the hobgoblin. <laughs> so that's that's what that was.
2: Oh my god. So you're cheating oh. on
0: us? You've got another show? <laughs> Two timer? You don't get the Bibble Banner. What no <gasps> Bibble Banner for no, you? The I banner.
3: literally feel for the Bibble Banner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Bibbling time.
3: Okay. <laughs> okay, but no, what video is there a video game that made you guys a, a fan of a character? I gotta think about what video games.
0: It's real specific.
1: It's, like, it's a an- hard one because it's you gotta find a, a character that's not like just from video games. I think mine was um I, I've told a lot of times the story about how I got into like Spider-Man stuff through this visual dictionary. I think I don't think I finished the dictionary when I got this um the Spider-Man PS1 plate um, PC game. I brought that home from the library and I think I'd looked through most of the Spider-Man visual dictionary. I'm like, you know what? I want to play this game. So I started playing the game and then the chapter where it says enter Venom pops up and there's just the Mm -hmm. Venom's face on the cover. I'm like, what the fuck? And then Venom shows up. I'm like, what the, who is this guy? And I went back to the visual dictionary. I'm like, Oh, this guy, this guy's sick. This guy is cool. And I went through my Venom phase for like 10 years. Um, so um, that's
2: that's my answer. That's my answer. We all have we all have a venom phase.
1: Everyone has a venom phase. I
2: don't know about ten years, but you know you do you.
1: Hey, <laughs> no shame, no shame on my no, venom no, phase. No, no.
2: no shame. I'm not shaming. I'm not venom shaming. Listen,
0: listen. X Men: Next Dimensions on the PlayStation Two did more for my fandom of Nightcrawler than any movie or television show <gasps> or comic has ever done. Oh, no one X-Men evolution has ever been as good to me as Nightcrawler in X-Men Next dimension Also Sinestro in the original Injustice game. <laughs> He's never been more important than he was in that game.
1: The, the, the fact that you played one of the most annoying characters in that game is so spot on, and I so adore right. it. I love capturing people with the claw and then just shooting them with stuff. It's like- <laughs> I love yes. the boulder you could drop that just if you meter yep. burn it, it doesn't miss. <laughs> yep, outstanding! Great character design. It's
0: also, Mario from the Mario movie. I really liked his video games first,
3: <laughs> especially when we had to bring our dad the DS so he could beat the levels for us.
1: <laughs> it's the only the time Mario ever games, that's, with us.
2: that's like a plumbing simulator, right? I don't yeah. know, I don't yeah,
1: like... yeah, pretty much, yeah, same thing, really.
0: Also, really big fan of Geese off of the Untitled Goose game. <laughs> Hadn't heard of them
2: before. <laughs> Never saw. Did you find
1: out those though. are real and you're like, what? That was crazy.
0: Oh, when they unlocked shit. the what? real life DLC, that was nuts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Goose, Mr. Goose, I'm a huge fan of your
0: work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, where <laughs> are you going?
0: <laughs> Steal my glasses and knock me over, just like the video <laughs> game.
1: <laughs> That's such a good game.
0: There was the meanest goose that lived under this log by our house growing up. And we had to cross the log to go to the rope swing we built. And so it was like a daily battle with this mother goose.
2: That's right. I was gyro, like, gear, gyro gear loose would never,
3: you know why she hated you is because AJ stole her child. That's not true. Ah. You're making that up. Well, not a different goose. <laughs> Cause AJ yeah. definitely stole a baby goose. <laughs>
0: That might have been the same goose. I don't know.
3: <laughs> it probably was the same all, goose.
0: All I know is I would be like, hmm, time to go to the rope swing. And then this dragon goose would come out from a that was my number one dinosaurs are geese. I don't know about the rest of the birds, but dinosaurs became geese. Cause that fucking Velociraptor would come out at me every day. Just and I would scamper away. That's the best way to describe how I moved. <laughs> Alexis, did you find that you liked people better after learning about them in Sims 4? <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, maybe, but also our line of conversation with Tinkerbell reminded me uh-huh. that I had a Tinkerbell DS game before the movies came out. Oh, okay. Unlock unlocked a memory for me. Tinkerbell, the video game.
0: Outstanding. dogs yeah. were huge for us getting a real dog.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm dogs. I think about this, them still sometimes.
0: This was not at all what Russell was asking about, but I've had a good time.
3: <laughs> this is
1: great. Um, um, as for the second question, I definitely want to read the Howard the Duck Zdarsky run at some point. A lot.
2: Super fun. Very anti-Spider-Man.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> Why are we not reading it right now? How have we not yeah, already? Just,
2: Spider-Man's the biggest butt of the joke in that. <laughs>
1: perfect
0: <laughs> I really want to read the Steve Gerber
2: ones so sounds
1: God, like we're okay have some yeah good that makes sense. the duck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I want to read both I'm just saying I want to read the classic one I love okay. weird comics that were good enough that they made it so like now there's a duck here like that comic has to be so good for us to have any more Howard the Duck comics mm-hmm. like if it's anything other than one of the greatest comics of all time they're not going to be like hey bring back that mallard that sleeps with a real life woman <laughs> they're not doing that
1: We used to be a real country.
0: Listen, we used to be able to be a mallard and a real woman. Or a a Roger Rabbit and a real cartoon woman that changed every small boy's brain chemistry. (laughs) You came out of Who Framed Roger Rabbit a different person. You had a new pep in your step. (laughs)
2: Jessica Rabbit, do be hitting different, that's for sure. Just grab it, be hitting crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and can you please read the question from Jacob Von Gemmerin? Where,
2: where are my copies of the questions? The first time um, I was on this podcast, I got copies of the questions. Listen, we've really gone downhill since then.
1: <laughs> we're not an A class um, program anymore. Um, this is not we're a solid C. You got, you it's got, you degrees. got,
2: po- you got popular and you lost your morals. You just like Scrooge. <laughs> I, you're so. I true. want it to be so. Clear we're making Scrooge would...
1: money off this podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: like, that guy that
0: wrote the article about us. Exactly. That's how much money he thought we were making off this podcast. Oh, and... Matt,
1: were you around for that? You, I think N- you know your Twitter when that happened. We'll, we'll talk. No, I've
2: been gone since what, like January, February. How <laughs> nice has like it that. been? Oh, it's great. My head is so clear.
3: I just... am envious. I want to live
1: vicariously. <laughs> it's fine. Did
2: someone uh, write a very warm and loving piece oh, about it, you was, it was incredible. So it, was, friendly. It, was, it was so okay. nice. Um, On CBR.com. Yeah. Oh, CBR yeah I remember oh, when a little you might have heard of it used to be worth a damn <laughs> 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 when they remember when they had comics should be good and they actually did like analysis and critique yeah. and mm-hmm. talked about in-depth issues and there's are actual like skilled writers and not people that were writing for SEO purposes and hitting a word count and doing like mm-hmm. you know hyperlinking mm-hmm. to try and hit on uh, keywords and long tails yeah. so that they would show up for a brief you know grasp at that brass ring on the endless merry-go-round that is journalism in 2023 Mm -hmm. yeah and instead you know they would actually like be like i actually read a comic and here's what i thought about it instead of uh someone told me that they talked to someone at a convention and then they tweeted that but and i know that the writer refuted that but also you know it's still kind of a problem but here we go we're going to report it as actual fact because this will get us some fast clicks and then they did that, and they did an article about that, and then they got paid pro- approximately like $3 for it, mm-hmm. because uh, they weren't getting paid anything. But, you know, you should be getting paid appropriate to your skill level, so they should actually be getting paid, like, maybe they should be paying CBR, actually, an appropriate appropriate version for that. Anyway, what was this article about, was this person?
1: <laughs> um, Sorry, just watching the um, the door open from the ghost in your room. <laughs> That was CBR coming to kick his ass. (laughs) I was going to say, they they sent those snipers (laughs) fast.
0: That's actually every CBR copywriter just come
1: walking in. It's a bunch of. Matt, as soon as this episode's done, we'll we'll go into the tea. I
2: promise. (laughs) Please spill. Okay, please spill.
1: Okay, all right. So, first, the question from Jacob Hello, everyone. Glad you're making an episode about one good billionaire that exists, and on top of that, with the coolest slasher enthusiast on YouTube ever. My question is, are there any Disney characters or cartoon characters in general you'd want a similar autobiographical comic from, and how would that look? Personally, I'd like to see a comic about the rise and fall of the Beagle Boys and their criminal empire. Greetings from Germany. Hope this question wasn't too long. Not too long, Jacob. Perfect size. Perfect
3: size question, Jacob. Thank you.
1: What cartoon characters or Disney characters would we like to see get their own little anthology series like this?
3: Um, I feel like the uh, the uh, only correct answer is Bibble himself. Thank you. <laughs> he needs a Bibble book.
1: The Bibble Bible? But
3: none of it can be in English. <laughs> it's just
1: his little language.
0: <laughs> How would you transliterate that into <laughs> talking balloons? <laughs> I Oh, man. Who do I want? I feel like they covered all their bases with the Goofy movie and the Extremely Goofy movie. Like, I love Mm -hmm. Goofy. I love those movies. What else are you going to do with the guy? I don't know. Maybe I don't have a big enough imagination.
1: I don't know. I feel like if you want to be autobiographical, you have to pick someone that's kind of older and has actually lived a life. Because I can think of a lot of cartoon characters I'd like to see comics for, like, going on past the show. Like, I would kill i would i would murder for like a danny phantom comic either reimagining or continuation like so yes. so hard yes that'd be pretty but. slick i actually i would love and we're gonna here's a little
0: pull behind the curtain we're definitely covering the flintstones by steve Pugh and mark russell in january mm-hmm. it's one amazing of, comic book one amazing. of my favorites and i would love a flintstone style miniseries about the married life of Mickey and Minnie Mouse, I think that would be very fun. That
3: would be very cute.
0: And like set it in the 1950s, make it a commentary on everything. That sounds like a really good time to me.
2: I gotta go with uh, Disney Robin Hood. Give me the give me the 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 oh, whole adventure fun. life of Disney Robin Hood. Oh. That would be the best. I got
1: one. That would be so so that would fucking be good. great. That'd be great. And. I just realized hand, yes. I would love an Uncle Iroh comic. <gasps> oh, don't even say those words. I would love that. I would love that so much.
3: Him embossing, say originally, and become you, then this, a good you don't
1: yeah. Like listen, you don't need it. The original series does plenty, but also I'm so invested in that character that I would gobble that up. I would I would consume. That's the dreaded word. I would consume it. That is that is what I would do.
0: Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Mm -hmm. Untold tales of Fox and the Hound.
1: Oh, Todd and Copper
0: as little kids, hanging out more.
1: That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Long time. I had
0: Addison watch that with me for the first time in her life (gasps) a couple months ago. And she was not that impressed. And I was like, I gotta take a long walk. (laughs) 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 Just looking down that ring like I'm invested. I'm invested damn like i I gotta go gotta go smoke a cigarette outside never (laughs) smoked a cigarette before
3: (laughs) gonna go learn how (laughs) it's
0: coughing up a lung outside just like why are you doing this i'm like she didn't like todd and copper
1: i felt like a a triton comic from the little mermaid i didn't know where all these daughters came from there's a story there i'm not sure if it's a story i want but there's a story there.
3: there have you seen the first the other movies
1: I forgot there was a prequel movie. I (laughs) forgot
3: to watch that. It tells you.
1: Are you shitting
0: me? Okay, fine. Little Mermaid 2, I know, is a huge part of Ann lore. It is a huge part of Ann lore. It is. Because I'm like, listen, I remember when that movie came out of Blockbuster 2. And I also remember going and picking it up and being like, I love the first. My parents Mm -hmm. look at me like, you're kind of a fruity little boy. (laughs) I'm like, we're going to watch Little Mermaid 2 in this bitch. Throw (laughs) it on, mama.
1: (laughs) I watched that again for like the first time last year. It um If nostalgia really holds was up, not right? there. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. Okay. I thought I, could I could have sworn. I could have sworn it It's, it's a not or... a bad movie, but it's not it's not exactly Lion King 2 Simba's Pride. But um it's a solid sequel.
0: Listen, I had those Kovu sheets. Oh
3: my gosh, Dall says Kovu pillow.
0: I had a Kovu pillow.
1: I had Lion King 2 sheets. I I wish I could sing like those Fresh. those freaking um gazelle who are just like deception like no no I can't I can't Mm -hmm. but I love them I love them so much we are getting so off topic what's the next one that's okay
0: Uh, Matt I actually texted you the next question from Cassandra Lee
1: could you read those off for us (laughs) look at you pulling us back into an A plus operation
2: hi CC gang I'm thrilled y'all are doing an episode on this book it's one of my favorites and I'm so glad y'all are getting to experience it I have two questions for you One, there are so many panels in this comic that are maybe a quarter or a half of a page and still feel like a much larger spread. What was your favorite larger panel in this comic? And two, are there any historical figures that you wish Scrooge would have met? Y'all have a good day from Cassandra Lee. So favorite larger panel and another historical figure to add. Um, I had brought up when he goes into Dawson being one of my favorites.
3: Mm-hmm. I also love when he makes the pretend ghost to scare away the baddies in Scotland Yeah, mm-hmm. on the horse and it's like on fire. That's very fun.
2: Yes. Love that one.
1: The toppling of the steam stacks. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Immediately before that, when he creaks at the chains, and it's the first, mm-hmm. the only time that we get really surreal color palette on both him and the slippery pig. I don't remember the pig's name. But he's like, there's just this big creak and you can see the anger in his eyes. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mentioned before the underground boat when they walk into that main room. I think mm-hmm. it's pretty wonderful. I love the tall panel of him on the camel with the boomerang in his hand. That's a very that fun just, one, too. That just makes me smile. Mm-hmm. The Titanic going down. That one's great. Uh <laughs> The mammoth. <gasps> the mammoth.
1: Oh. Oh, I, great... I love the one in Africa with all the animals Yeah, mm. where he's just like, mm-hmm. he shoots up and he's screaming at all of them. They're, they're kind of like, what the hell?
0: Yeah. There's a great one of him coming into the saloon and he's shorter than the saloon doors. And he's pushing <laughs> the saloon doors out up above his head.
2: As far as historical figures go, I mean, missed opportunity for Scrooge versus Hitler. <laughs> it could have really been been something. There you go. Put, just. Punch Hitler's lights out
3: I
0: don't know if well, Walt so Disney would sign off on that one I, I don't know if, I don't know if we want to see
2: where a Disney comic lands on the whole hit question he's already dead by then he's already dead by the tens comic came out. he couldn't say anything okay good I feel
1: Thanks, like- he's Walt.
2: already frozen and put inside that statue that they have in the, in the center of Disneyland
1: my gosh hey okay. I'm always oh. here for some more some more Hitler punching so they'd already turned him into sashimi at Epcot <laughs> <laughs> God um, I want
0: Scrooge McDuck to meet Robert Moses and be evil rich people together. I don't like that. that. I don't, that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, I don't like that. Don't
3: give me that. I feel like Scrooge would be very funny with um any of the British royal family during that time. <laughs> Queen few, Victoria. Queen Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> Not an absolute s- menace to European society.
0: not a historical figure but just as real as any British historical figure Sherlock Mm -hmm. Holmes would be great around these parts Mm -hmm.
1: Scrooge and Sherlock (sighs) great an Amelia Earhart reference wouldn't have gone (gasps) amiss
0: there's in volume 2 (laughs) and he hangs out with Annie Oakley that's pretty fun
3: oh okay oh that's very fun
0: so there's one count them one woman
1: damn that's so cool it's Christmas
0: Uh (laughs) this holiday season. <laughs> uh, the Great Mouse Detective as well. In addition oh, to oh, Sherlock
2: fuck yeah. yeah. Basil, Basil of Baker Street.
1: Yeah. Another exactly. another banger.
2: Also,
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I, what was I his name? A,
1: I get a Basil comic. A thousand percent, I get a Basil comic.
2: Yeah. What was Disney? Geronimo Stilton? you listen to this podcast. Put Anne on the Basil comic. Hell
1: yeah.
3: Did us, just say Geronimo Stilton?
1: I did say Geronimo <laughs> Stilton.
3: <laughs> How dare you unlock that vault that I have put <laughs> so
1: deep in my soul? Have I told you all the Geronimo Stilton story? No. No. Because I was Geronimo Stilton once. <gasps> I believe you. Was
3: it when you worked yep. at your bookstore?
1: No, my mom was, it, my mom worked at the library and they had a Geronimo Stilton event. And they got a Geronimo Stilton costume, and they're like, "Hey, come to this event! Geronimo Stilton's gonna be there." They got the costume, and they're like, "We're all too big to fit in this. Um, we need someone smaller." And they looked at me, and they're like, "Perhaps you're up. Your mouse size. Mouse size." And so this was like I was in eighth grade, I think. Um, and I had to get into this stupid mouse costume and to go in and I was Geronimo Stilton. I'm like, hell yeah. I just walked in and I'm like, this is cool, this is cool. There's there's someone I know from my class here, just play it cool. The kids kept trying to stare up into my mouth to figure out who was under the
2: mask. I'm like piss You're off. Like, I feel violated. Get away from me. I do she, that with most people that I meet. <laughs> people people have West always be looking at people's
0: mouths. Down in the sewer grates where Matt lives, rats always be looking in
2: mouths. <laughs> That's why I I, I take my mouth shut every night when I go to sleep. So none of them crawl in there. There we go. Eat my tongue.
0: (laughs) Eat my tongue.
2: (laughs) That's terrifying.
0: All right. Um, Final question comes from Ed tonight. He says, hello, duckheads. Eating the rich also applies to Scrooge. How are you eating him? Question number two. Why do you think the creative team decided not to duck around with this book? nice question number three if you had money what would you do (laughs) i'd buy bionicles and help people and definitely not commission art sincerely ed so
3: ed is asking the important things the
0: important questions if any of us had any money what would we do with it uh i'd stop renting i'd stop renting
3: (laughs) my home yeah (laughs) i would buy buy a home
0: buy a home that's basically that's my whole dream at this point so
3: but then again, not with these interest rates. Scrooge if I had thing. money. <laughs>
2: <Oops>.
0: <laughs> no. um, uh,
2: how am I eating Scrooge? Peking, obviously. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah nice better rice. Listen, uh, so
0: I got to tell you my dad's approach to cooking ducks. This is oh, no. Adam Taylor, TM, how to cook duck. He says, all right, so when you've shot your duck, you go, you send the dog out to get it out of the mud. And you bring it back. You get the duck. You pluck the feathers and you get yourself a nice block of cedar wood. Okay. You lay the duck out across the cedar wood and you put it into the smoker. You let that smoke about three to four hours until the internal temperature is where you want it. You pull it out. and You throw the duck away and you eat the wood because it's going to taste better in the first place.
3: (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think dad has ever eaten a duck.
0: He hates duck.
3: (laughs) Willingly. Oh my gosh.
0: The guy will eat a possum. But he looks down his nose at Duck.
3: He does. He really does.
0: There's some <sighs> things a cowboy won't eat. Maybe out he of a solitary for
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, I would eat him glazed with um a parsnip puree and some, uh, probably some brus- Brussels sprouts. You yeah, know, just nice and easy. Can I answer for Alexis? Brussels sprouts.
0: Alexis would eat him breaded with chicky nuggy breading with a side of barbecue sauce. I
1: would eat some Scrooge nuggets. I, I would.
0: Hey. You know he's grizzly. You know, like, you bite into him, you're like, ah! Ah! <laughs> That's a bad taste in duck.
2: <laughs> Scrooge McDuck lived to the ripe old age of 100, so he would be very grizzly by the end.
0: Mm.
2: Is that in duck years or human years? Human years. Wow. Yeah. According a... to Don Rosa... Scrooge died at the age of a hundred, which would put him in the damn in the I forget the seven the sixties or the seventies. I forget the exact date.
3: Wow.
0: Damn,
2: he died so, right.
0: Actually, his last adventure was Woodstock, and he died
1: <laughs> <laughs> rolling so, around in the mud.
2: So, he actually he, he continued to live. He died in Woodstock two thousand, which was even worse. So, what you're
1: saying time. here is that Huey Dewey and Louie would definitely be you know the, the better options here.
2: mm Hmm.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Good yeah, just just soft.
1: taking notes. Okay. I'm keeping them in a cage right
0: now. They can't move. <laughs> and I'm feeding them corn to get them ready.
1: Doing Huey Doing Louis Foggwa. <laughs> Don't do yeah. that. I would That's eat Donald so
2: Foggro.
1: I'd eat Donald Foggra.
2: You have to put a shoot down their throat so that you overstuff them because you need to plump up that liver for Frogwa. Uh, once it expands because... and kills Donald. I will mm-hmm. take it out, and I will spread mm-hmm. it on a cracker. Because ducks don't naturally eat that much to uh, get all that fat in their liver mm-hmm. for a foie gras. It's is kind of inhumane. It
1: is an awful practice, and no one should ever eat it. Uh, it's a skill issue. First things first.
0: Uh, I could eat that much, very simply. <laughs> so are <laughs> like so you going to volunteer? Guy like is foie gras going to be Dallas now? I got a real plump liver. <laughs> and... There's never been any alcohol in this liver. That is a prime plump liver.
2: Wow, that's great. Can't say that about mine. <laughs> Same. I got a nice skinny alcohol <laughs> jerky liver. Unspoilt liver. Wow,
1: that's great. Wow. Okay. I'm a cannibal's it's a dream. Why do you think the creative team decided not to duck around with this book? Because they're professionals, Ed. Moving on. It's amazing. Um, they
3: had good content. Technically Are...
2: speaking, all they did was duck around. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: True.
0: I
1: also wanted to say, I think this
0: is one of the most interesting, gigantic fan of a property brings something beautiful to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there it is so clear that Don Rosa is an enormous fan of Karl Barks' work, but it never feels like that hinders this project at all. Like, it's not too sacred that he can do something interesting and fun with it. And I think that's the mm-hmm. perfect line that you want with these long-lasting characters that will be handed off from person to person is to ask that someone comes on it who loves the character, loves their history, but wants to do something fresh with it instead of just replaying the hits. I think this comic would be forgotten if it was just a lesser version of the things that Carl Barks did before, but because it's fresh, it gets to stand side by side with what inspired it. That's why I didn't duck around Ed. Hmm. And that wraps up our questions, folks.
2: Yay.
0: It's been two great hours of Duck Talk. Do we have any final thoughts before we let Matt plug what he's working on and we roll our credits? I had a ducking good time.
3: I think, yeah, I agree. And I'm also gonna go watch
1: DuckTales. woo
0: Nice. <laughs> and did we convince you? Is this a great comic?
1: Yeah, I think I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> she says, eh. yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> no, that in Anne uh, vocabulary, that means not convinced, but we'll take it.
0: Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> she says, it's no irredeemable my... by Mark Wade."
1: <laughs> hey, listen, nothing can be irredeemable by Mark <laughs> Wade. Not even irredeemable
2: not by Mark, even Wade. Irredeemable. <laughs> by Mark it's, Wade. It's no Avengers 200, but it Jesus get. Christ, <gasps> Matt. <Clark>. Listen.
1: <laughs> we have one rule. We have one rule on this podcast just broke it
0: and it's that we only read bad legion of superhero comics that's the hey shut the (laughs) fuck up we've got i had much
1: fonder memories of that book than it deserved (laughs) it's ungood ungood deeply (laughs) ungood
2: um matt tell the people where they can find you and what you've got going on You can find me on YouTube, Matt Draper. That's me. That's also my channel. It's me. And uh, right now, as we're uh, recording this, we'll come out. I'm uh, working on a whole month of Resident Evil videos for my channel. Resident December Evil 2 uh, will be happening this December. So I'm working on that pretty Deep in it right now, and uh, if you like Resident Evil, there's going to be lots there for you, and there's a whole month already from last year that is uh, up on the channel now. I also, um, this is plugging something I am related to, but I did a small section on a friend, Owen Likes Comics upcoming video. He's got a video about um, comics tying into uh, the upcoming DCU movies, and he asked me to do a, a piece on a swamp thing so that's in there and uh besides that you know that's kind of everything that's going on with me right now uh it's the getting to the holiday season and i am uh working my best to stave off that depression so we are working on that as we hey. speak that's my other project that's my side side project the side hustle pushing yeah. off the depression. Well, how, get out of here get out of here
0: how much is godzilla minus one carrying
2: you through this first month of seasonal depression <laughs> it's carrying me for sure yeah yeah i'm looking forward to that you know that part yeah.
0: in the sand where there's only two footsteps that's where godzilla carried you
2: <laughs> very big footsteps.
0: yeah they're big three-toed footsteps <laughs> and that punk-ass ape was nowhere to be found Yeah, Yeah, here monkey <laughs> bad no monkey. monkey all right lex <laughs> roll us out
3: all right, everybody, if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics and at Lexi Liu underscore comics.
0: If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five star review. We will read it off on the show.
1: And finally, if you want to give us any questions or comments, please send them into the comics collective at gmail.com.
3: And we will see you guys next week where we are covering a webtoon that I have followed for years. I'm very excited to bring everyone over to the side of webtoon. <laughs> but we are going to be um, covering the first two seasons or <laughs> 206 episodes <laughs> of Lore Olympus, which <laughs> should be very fun. And we'll Dallas see. I actually feel this- like you're going to be fine, you whiner.
1: We'll this see. This is payback for From Hell. This
3: is payback for everything I've ever done for this podcast.
0: <laughs> 206 issues. That's insane.
3: Joke's on you when you find out how many there are total
0: 234. I looked the other day. No. Pretty most of it.
1: That's a lie.
0: All right, everybody, thanks and goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye.